0: So as I mentioned already, we're in a series in the book of the Bible we refer to as the letter to the Hebrews. We are in message four of this series, and I have not decided at this point what to title this message, but I know what the text is. Well, you can title it at the end of it, all right? The text for us tonight is from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Let me read it for us. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found Worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for that word. Thank you for the letter to the Hebrews. Thank you that this is a word spoken to us too. I just pray that you would open our hearts and unstop our ears, Lord Jesus, that we would be able to to glean something from this message tonight. Just send us away from here tonight, Jesus, just with something. This is something that will, will give us some more hope, something that will change us, something that will open our eyes, something that will help us to be transformed, Lord God. Just give us, just give us something. We praise you. Amen. I want to walk through the text just a little bit, and there's re- something I really want to get focused on, but um, if I started off a sentence with therefore, what would you wonder? What was there for? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, what was there before, it? Right. It's kind of like a kickoff that you need to pay attention to the significance of what came before. Therefore. So what is the therefore for? Therefore. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's this. We with Jesus, with Christ, are of the same family. That we are called to share in his suffering. Just as he shares in our humanity. It's hard to wrap our minds around, as I talked about last week, that Jesus is fully man. He's not just kind of man. He's just not a little bit man. He's fully man, but he's also fully God. But that's really awesome in so many ways because, because he's fully man. We know that he knows what it's like to be a person. He shared in our humanity. In a sense, he eternally shares in our humanity. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, holy brothers and sisters, holy brothers and sisters. If you remember, the letter to the Hebrews is written to a bunch of people who are faltering in their faith, people that are struggling, people that are wondering if maybe they shouldn't just walk away from the hope that they have in Jesus altogether. People that are considering maybe returning to their former way of life. People who are having to endure an awful lot to follow Jesus. And they're questioning. They're questioning, should, should I keep this, this Jesus guy in view? Should I continue to think about whether or not Jesus is my savior? Should I continue to hold out that hope? Because it's been a while. We sang the song tonight. We wait, we wait for you. Yes, we wait, we wait for you. And people in the world think that the church is absolutely nuts. To continue waiting for a savior to come again. For 2,000 years. I always like to point out that no individuals had to wait more than a lifetime. So to this group of people faltering in their faith. Struggling to know what they should believe. Struggling to continue to follow Jesus. The author still affirms them as holy. It's not, hey, you bunch of loser brother and sisters. Hey, you pathetic bunch of pieces of garbage. Those of you who are just barely hanging on by a thread and I can't hardly stand to even think of you. No, it doesn't say that. Holy brothers and sisters. Holy brothers and sisters. So for those of you that might find your faith faltering, Who maybe wonder, I don't know if I can continue to do this. I don't know if I can keep walking with Jesus. Jesus isn't here to shame you. He's here to encourage you. He's right by your side. He calls you his holy brothers and sisters. Different. Set apart. Or my favorite translation of holy. Y'all know what it is. Well, some of y'all know what it is. Strange. To the rest of the world, holy brothers and sisters are really weird, right? Because y'all endure things that the rest of the world would run from. Y'all come down to the cafe during the day, Linda, you're a strange person, and give 20 hours of your retired life at least every week to sort clothes for people that haven't clothes to receive. To the rest of the world you should be out on a beach someplace getting a suntan right <laughs> <laughs> one day one day one day one day you will but even when we're not doing it well even when we're struggling god still calls us his holy people his holy brothers and sisters. And there's more. There's more. That's not all. Your holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling. You all have the same, in a sense you might have slightly different specific things to do, but you all have the same heavenly calling. It's a heavenly heavenly calling, heaven called and they want you. <laughs> you ever heard those uh, so-and-so called and <laughs> jokes? My favorite one is the George Costanza, the jerk store called, and they're out of you. <laughs> you guys know Seinfeld, right? I mean, some of you got it, right? I, just, I know it is. <laughs> if you don't, it's inside joke for all of us Seinfelders. Um, <laughs> thanks, Lucinda, for uh, watching Seinfeld with me recently. <laughs> that one wasn't on, but we, we share... We, y'all, holy brothers and sisters, regardless of how much you might be struggling, you share in the same heavenly calling. God, even though you might be struggling (laughs) at a good time, isn't saying like, okay, well, I had this calling for you, but I don't think I'm going to give it to you anymore because you seem to be struggling. Sorry. No. No, he doesn't do that. He calls you with a heavenly calling. And by the way, it's not a heaven word calling. It's not like we are uh, awaiting a table at Red Robin with a pager in our hand waiting to be called to our heavenly seat. That's not what is being talked about here. Rather, heaven is the origin of the call. And as such, it's also an endearing description of that call. Our calling originates in God's realm of existence. We are called to be useful for the purposes of heaven of God's rule and reign right here and right now. We're not just having this heavenly calling and we're sitting around waiting until we get to fly up to the sky or something. That's not the point at all. We all likely know somebody who is so, as the saying goes, heavenly-minded that they're of no earthly use. You heard that saying before? I know people that are like that. I pray for them. They're faltering in their faith. It doesn't mean that they're... Calling has all of a sudden been revoked. They still have it. That's why God sends teachers and evangelists and apostles to transform, hopefully, to be part of God's transforming work in people's lives who are so heavenly-minded. They're no earthly use. God calls us to be of earthly use. Jesus is pursuing That God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's part of the Lord's Prayer. We are called to do that same work. We are called to be His people doing that work right here and right now. I don't know exactly where all of this comes from, this separation of things spiritual and these things seemingly worldly or earthly. Like there's a duality that's crept into the church over the years. Where people do get in the attitude that they're just sitting around waiting for this horrible creation to just run off of a cliff. After which we'll be saved. But but remember, as we were already taught in Hebrews, Jesus is the one whom through all things were created. And the one whom through all things are being made new. He's not a faulty creator. As a matter of fact... He's a really good creator. Heavenly Father made all things and he called them what? Good. Yeah. He makes good things. We break his good things. Right? We break his good things by breaking our relationship with him. But because he loves us so much, he comes to make all things new. He comes to make us new. He comes to make us new beings. You know, sometimes, since Kat and I really first started dating, I I still do this, a little less than I used to. I stare at her. Creeps her out sometimes. (laughs) I don't know why it didn't when we were dating, but it seems to more now when we're married. She's like, why are you looking at me? I'm like, well, because I love you. Right. I stare at, at her when she's awake sometimes and doesn't know. And I stare at her when she's asleep sometimes and doesn't know. <laughs> sometimes I wake her up. <laughs> anyway, but, but like when I stare at her, I'm remembering. I'm thinking on cat. I'm thinking on the things God has gifted her with. I think about the ways that she serves and the way that she loves our children. I think about the way that she loves me, and I think about the way that I think about the way that she helps me become who I am because she loves me just like I am, so that I can find the peace within myself to share who I am, so that I can become something more than I am. That makes sense. And I have never met anybody. In my life, other than my parents, and that counts, but not exactly. Who was that for me? (laughs) This is what we're supposed to do with Jesus. Not putting cat in Jesus' place. Because Jesus does that beyond anything cat could do. The writer says, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Consider Jesus closely. Concentrate on Jesus. Stare in your mind's eye at Jesus. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Do you know that you are, you are called, think, of, think, think on this for a moment, you are called to become the uniquely you version of Jesus. It's probably hard for some of you who are women, I don't know, I'm not, <laughs> but I can imagine there's a little bit of a hiccup there at times when we are called to imitate Jesus When we are called to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus when you're different genders. Like, how can Jesus know what it's like to go through what y'all go through? I don't know what he's supposed to call that, right? (laughs) 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 And not get rocks thrown at me up here. (laughs) 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 Life, you know, yeah. I'm not, you know, it's actually more than, it's more than that. I make, I make jokes about that, right? But it's more than that. I mean, it's like any of us, like for those of you who have different occupations, some of them are probably easier to connect with Jesus and others, right? Like I probably have one of the easier positions and callings to connect with Jesus as a pastor, right? That's not, but what about if you're a computer programmer or a baker? I mean, maybe you're a carpenter. There's some similarities there, right? But it can be kind of hard to make those connections. Like, how do we, like, I don't mean this in the wrong way. I mean this all in the right way. How do we get to the essence of Jesus and his character that God is conforming you uniquely into? Oh, that's a a lifetime of figuring those things out, to be quite honest with you. It's a lifetime of discovering. What is it like to be a 64-year-old retired person or eight or whatever? And being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. What does it look like to be a welder? To be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. How do we, how do we get those things down to the essence of Jesus. To understand how we are being conformed to his likeness. I'm not going to answer those questions for you. They're harder to answer. But I can tell you. Then, harder to answer than this message. I, I will journey with you through that that process, but there's just no pat, simple, easy answers. But the truth of the matter is you are called to become the uniquely you version of Jesus. To become like Jesus, you must fix your thoughts on Jesus, to dwell on Jesus, to concentrate on Jesus. Has anybody spent much time in their days for these last weeks or months or we can go years or lifetime for that matter just simply sitting down and fixing your thoughts on Jesus. Maybe you go through some kind of visualization exercise where you just picture Jesus, maybe on the cross, maybe resurrected, maybe walking with you. It's one of the powerful things I had thought about with this message, having a bunch of historically wonderful images of Jesus. But I just want to encourage you to go home and do that. Go, if, if that works for you. Right? Maybe, maybe for you too, you're so visual that you can just close your eyes and you can just read some narrative of the Gospels and you can just picture that happening. Picture yourself walking with Jesus. Picture Jesus speaking some of the things that he spoke to his first disciples to you. It's kind of important to have an understanding of who Jesus is. We're going to fix our thoughts on him, right? We talked about that a while back, understanding God's character, discovered through the scriptures, also discovered through church history, quite honestly, disciples in faith, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And if you haven't read the latest blog post by Steve Brown on the Gather Church blog, I would highly encourage you to read it. And also to discover what Jesus is like through sharing, with, sharing life with one another. It can be, it can be dangerous sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we discover not what Jesus is like, but what other people think Jesus is like. Nonetheless, those are some of the ways that we can fix our thoughts on Jesus So let me ask you this. What happens? What happens when we fix our thoughts on Jesus? When we concentrate on Jesus? What happens when you just ruminate over something that Jesus has said to his disciples? Or Jesus has done for his people? What happens? I would put it, you could put it in a number of different ways, I'd put it this way. Our minds are healed. When we think on Jesus, we're thinking on Jesus with our minds, to some sense with our hearts. But those things are are healed when we think on Jesus. Truth starts to prevail in our hearts and minds. The deceivers' lies that keep us in bondage are cast out. It's like when I'm talking about staring at Kat, thinking about her love for me that's bigger than my faults. That empowers me to be able to work on my faults. I think on her love for me. And it heals my heart. It heals my soul. heals my mind. All the more when I think on Jesus. So I want to think on a few things about Jesus couple of them concerning the text that we already read tonight Jesus is our apostle Jesus has been sent to us from God the Father Luke four eighteen through 19 quoting Isaiah Jesus reading from that scroll of Isaiah finds this place and he reads this listen Let your mind be transformed as you hear this, as you think on Jesus. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, or he has apostled me, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. He has sent me to free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor Sometimes it seems as though God is far. Sometimes when, when we pray the prayer that I mentioned earlier and we say, Our Father who art in heaven, we think He's off in some distant place. But in reality, He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is a faithful God who reveals Himself. To his people. That's, I don't know, too crazy for some people to believe. That the God who made everything beyond what we even know is a God who participates in this journey with us, in this life with us. He is not far. He is the God who sees and reveals and sends his son to make sure that we know what he's really like. He is our apostle. Jesus has been sent to make sure that you know his heavenly father. He has been sent to know his love so great that he is willing to die for you. Think on that. We could think on just that point for the rest of our lives. That God sends good news to the poor. That his kingdom means good news to the poor. That he opens the eyes of the blind. Both... Physically and spiritually. And that he shows favor on us. Or think on this. Jesus is our great high priest. He is not just as we will find out later on in this Hebrews series. He's not just the high priest. He is the great high priest. Which you could also translate. He is the high high priest. Or he is the great great priest. Or some version thereof. The duty of the high priest, or also you could say the chief priest, he was the chief, chief priest, (laughs) was once a year on the Day of Atonement to enter the Holy of Holies, from which other priests, if you weren't the great high priest, or sorry, the high priest, they were excluded. So only the high priest could go in. He went in and he offered sacrifices for his own sins and then the sins of the people. But Jesus. Think on this. The great high priest, the high high priest, the great great Pete, priest, the chief chief priest, he does not have an offer sacrifice for his own sin. He just offers sacrifice for our sin. And this is a sacrifice that's offered once. He doesn't have to go back into the holy of holies year after year after year after year. He goes in once because he offered a perfect sacrifice Perfect lamb. He offered himself. So we have a great high priest who offers one sacrifice who is the priest himself. Think on that. We have a great high priest sent from God to offer not a fatted calf or an ordinary spotless lamb, but to sacrifice himself as a perfect sacrifice so that our sin might be dealt with perfectly, permanently taken away and that we might find forgiveness but fixing our thoughts on Jesus is honestly more than just concentrating on who Jesus is we must also stick with me on this fix our thoughts on Jesus' thoughts concerning who we are Right? The enemy constantly wants to accuse, lie, defeat, mislead, connive, and convince you that you cannot trust God. Jesus, on the other hand, he wants to defend you, speak truth to you, to make you victorious, to lead you down paths of righteousness, and to convince you that your heavenly father is trustworthy. That's the way God always wants us to be. He wants us to trust him because he is always trustworthy. And amazingly, it's always the enemy's desire to try and convince us that the father's not trustworthy. That's the original deception. Oh, did God really say you will die? Oh, surely you won't die. You can't trust that guy. He 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 will deceive you. That's how the deceiver works. We let God transform our hearts, fixing our thoughts on Jesus as He speaks truth to us. And in this rebellious world, we need a lot of that truth-telling. Because we have heard the enemy's voice only too clear and too often. But again, the Son, the Apostle, has been sent to reveal the Father and to reveal deeper truths about who we are. Because the enemy will take something that's kind of true... Or maybe it's actually totally true. But he'll stop the story before the end. Oh, see, Jesus died. That's it. Wait a second. There's a deeper truth. Jesus was resurrected. The enemy doesn't want that story out. So what about some of these deeper truths about who we are, who Jesus says we are? I don't know about you, but some days you might just feel bad about yourself. You might think you're just a sinner can't seem to do much right alienated from god maybe even because you seem to can't get it you can't seem to get it together and while there is a sense in which it's true we're sinners there's a deeper truth it's this we already talked about it you're holy you're holy you're made holy by jesus It's a deeper truth than just simply stopping at, oh, sinner, oh, dead on the the cross. No, you are holy, made holy by Jesus. Holy brothers and sisters, the deeper truth is that though you still bear in your current body the marks and struggles of sin, Jesus has made you holy and blameless. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1.22, He has reconciled you, God has, by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusations. That's what the enemy does is accuses. God forgives. The enemy wants to say, oh yeah, but look at what you did last week. Oh, look at what you did. Oh, did you just lose your temper? Oh, you're not holy, you're holy anything, you're not holy saintly, you're just holy sinner. To which we can say, well, if you want to stop there, there's a sense in which that is true, but Jesus has made me holy and perfect because of what he has done for me. It's that deeper truth. Or maybe some days... I'm starting to connect with this one as time goes on. You might just feel old. Feel like your life is dwindling down. Like your days are numbered. That you're left to wonder what it all means and if you will be remembered. It's understandable. If it ends on the cross... But it doesn't there's a deeper truth in christ you're eternal in christ you are eternal the ever so famous john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish shall not die but have everlasting life you don't have to fret, my friends, my brothers, my sisters. You don't have to fret. Your life doesn't end in this life. It's okay. <laughs> Love you, Shirley. <laughs> I was thinking you might like that. <laughs> yes! Or maybe, maybe something else to fix our thoughts on concerning Jesus is maybe some of you just feel poor. Maybe you feel poor. Like you can barely make ends meet. Monetarily you just feel poor that you're living hand to mouth. Like you work your fingers to the bone and you at the end of the day have nothing to show. Or maybe you're frustrated about it because you feel poor because you can't even find a job or you can't work for whatever reason and you just feel poor. Well that would be true if it ends on the cross, but it doesn't end for Jesus on the cross. You're not poor. There's a deeper truth. You are rich. You have an inheritance that is beyond the worth of all of the world. You are an inheritor with Jesus of all things. Wow. We talked about that a couple weeks ago too. Jesus says don't store up your treasures on earth where rust and moths and decay will destroy it. But store up your treasures in heaven. There they don't perish. It's a hard one to sometimes in this culture embrace because the enemy wants to show up and try and seemingly remind us of the lie that he who with the most or with the most toys is the one that wins. But it's not very hard for us to deconstruct that idea when it's straight before us. But when we're living and making decisions on a day-to-day basis, it's a little bit harder. right? But for those of you who feel poor, embrace the deeper truth that in Christ you are rich. Maybe some of you feel defeated, maybe you just feel defeated, deflated, beat up, knocked down like nothing is worth even trying. Like everywhere you put your hands and everything you put your hands to, everything just slips through your fingers. You can't seem to grasp it. The harder you grab something, the quicker it slips out of your fingers. And you just feel defeated. But there's a deeper truth. Because again, it doesn't end on the cross, it doesn't end in def- what looks like defeat. Sometimes, even through things slipping through our fingers, God has purpose and meaning. As a matter of fact, He always will give it purpose and meaning. Paul writes about it this idea of feeling defeated. To the church in Rome. We sang this earlier tonight, and many of you know this. Just go, just go read. Go read chapter nine of Romans. Actually, read all of Romans. But there Paul writes, In Christ, you're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You might feel defeated. It might feel like the harder you grasp at things, and the the more they just slip through your fingers. The harder you try, the worse it feels. But that's not the way it works in God's kingdom. With Jesus, you're more than a conqueror. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, in whom we become more than just conquerors. Or I know that there are probably many of you that struggle to, struggle with feelings of whether or not your life has meaning, purpose, just simply based on the number of books sold with the title of A Purpose Driven Life, regardless of what one might think about the book, just that so many copies have been sold tells you that people really feel like they're looking for purpose in their lives. They want their lives to be meaningful. People unfortunately feel like they're just wandering in a strange land without meaning. But there's a deeper truth. Holy brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been given a heavenly calling. Some of Jesus' first words captured in the Gospel of Matthew You are salt for the earth. You are light for the world. Jesus understands, He knows that we are people who need purpose. And He created us with purpose. He created us to be salt and to be light. In Christ, you have been given a heavenly calling. Not only is your life meaningful, and think on this for a second. Not only is your life meaningful, but without you living out that meaning, the world is not what it could, should, and needs to be. How can salt that's lost its saltiness be useful? God has called you for purpose. Embrace that purpose. Discover that purpose. Seek that purpose. Figure out what it means to be salt and light. And go and be salt and light. Because if we're not, we're just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. We might as well not be gathering here right now, to be quite honest with you. We're just all wasting our time. If we're not going to go and be salt and light, to be God's covenant people, to point to Jesus in everything that we do and say, if we're not going to do that, we're wasting our time. We might as well stay at home and watch college football. Speaking of football again... (laughs) all of these deeper truths that jesus speaks to us every one of them are gifts they're matters of grace given from god and each one of them gives us the capacity to live into those deeper truths in other words he calls us a holy people though we are sinners He makes us a holy people. He then gives us the capacity, just like Cad's love of me gives me the capacity to be transformed, God calling me a holy, calling us a holy people, helps us, gives us the capacity to be able to become the holy people that he calls us. To become God's salt and light people for a broken, destitute world. So brothers and sisters, when you're down and you're lonely and you need a helping hand, Fix your thoughts on Jesus. And fix your thoughts on Jesus' thoughts of you. Fix your thoughts on the deeper truths. Not that we would boast, but that we might come to worship the one who makes all things and who makes all things new. He is the one who makes all of those deeper truths true in you. It's how Jesus sees you. He sees you as holy. He sees you as deeply loved. He has given you meaning and purpose. He's called you. And now for just a brief moment, I want you to look at your neighbor. All of these deeper truths that we long to experience in our own lives, having purpose, being conquerors, being rich in the right way, being holy, your neighbor longs to experience those things as well. Your neighbor needs to be loved. Jesus calls your neighbor those same things. He calls them holy brothers and sisters. So don't for a moment think that this is all just about you. It's about what Jesus is doing in this world. He called you to be salt and light people. He gave you a meaning and a purpose. And that is to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And that things aren't what they appear. Jesus didn't end his life on a cross. He was resurrected. And he will one day come again. And by the way. Moses and Jesus. Jesus and Moses. Jesus. As great as Moses was. Was by far greater. Moses was faithful in God's house. Jesus is faithful over God's house and we are his house. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that we are your house. That your house isn't just one of us, but your house is us. Built up, strengthened, help us, Lord God, to see, to see you and to experience your profound love that transforms our lives. To be able to live into these things that you proclaim in our lives. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be your salt and light people, to embrace that meaning and that purpose, knowing we will find abundant life there. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have made us holy by the sacrifice of your Son for our sin. We praise you. We thank you. We long to see your kingdom right here, right now, so, Heavenly Father, bring your kingdom. Do your will. Let your name be glorious in all the earth. We love you. Amen.